Welcome to the Blue Collar Experts Podcast. My name is Todd Wall, and we recognize that the marketplace is more crowded than it ever has been in human history. We use the principle of if it is true there, then it is true here to find what is working in different contexts and apply it to your business. Hey everybody, today I've got a guest I'm super excited about because I got to experience her content and her expertise at a mastermind and it just, it, she floored me. She, uh, you know, I walked in the room, I was like, oh, what is, you know, what's this lady going to teach us? But then when she went through her expertise and she went through her play-by-play of how she goes from building curiosity into actually setting an appointment I was like, I need to ask her more questions. So here she is with me today, Nikki Roush. She's a CEO of, of Sales Maven, and she is the Sales Maven. Nikki, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for your kind words. That's so sweet. Absolutely. I mean, I couldn't wait to talk to you after the after the uh, after the after after your session, and just I mean, you you, you blew me away because you you have. Through your experience, I mean, you've dealt with some major corporations, first mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So it's this isn't make-believe expertise. You've dealt with some powerhouse organizations and been able to really move the needle of some busy people. So, uh, you know, so let's talk through, you know, the first thing that you, you say that you really specialize in, you said the first key is really building curiosity. So how does it start with curiosity? What, what, I mean, explain more what that actually means. Okay. So I'm going to back up just a minute here and say, I have a signature framework for a sales conversation. It's a five-step process. I call it the selling staircase. Step two is building curiosity. It is the most missed step in a sales conversation or in your outreach when you're doing business development, any of that. Most people don't think about, am I creating any curiosity? Because if you don't know how to create curiosity, you're going to have a really hard time engaging that other person to want to even know more, to ask questions, to really want to be revealing to you about how to earn their business, all the things that are super important in a sales conversation. So creating curiosity is so critical to your success because you often can't get past that step until you do it. You just you, you can't move anywhere in that sales process if you haven't started by creating some curiosity. But, but Nikki, I thought I thought we were just supposed to, as business owners, we we're supposed to get in, just talk about ourselves, you know, <laughs> really just really just blow them away with how great we are. I thought I thought as soon as we present how, you know, how beautiful we are and all, all the great gifts we have, they're just going to come flooding to us. I thought that's how we how we're supposed to move the needle. Yeah, that that unfortunately is kind of the approach that a lot of people take to to sales. And so that to me is it's the difference between talking at somebody and talking with somebody. When you talk at people, you feel like, oh, I'm on a stage. I have to perform. So I'm going to tell you all the feeds and speeds about how awesome I am and how awesome my product is and how my product is going to change the world for you. And and that really kind of becomes word vomiting, frankly. And people are so sick of being word vomited on. And 
it's not very interesting to them yet because they don't have any relationship with you. They don't have any rapport with you yet. So we have to build curiosity and you kind of do it a little, it's almost like you're doing it a little bit at a time so that you're starting to have real conversations. So I mentioned this talking at versus talking with, and with means that there's back and forth conversation happening. And this even can happen in email or DMs. So you tell me how deep you want me to go here, Todd, on this, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think this is interesting. I mean, go okay. as, as deep as whatever comes to you because, okay. you know, really, I love this because, you know, I talk a lot about it, you know, putting the social back in social media mm -hmm. and networking is just the same as going to a cocktail party. Yes. Go to that cocktail party and you literally, first off, party foul. If you literally vomit on someone, uh, yes, it will be memorable, but but not in a good way. So That's if right. you verbally vomit, it's probably the same thing, is it not? Similar. Like people are like, oh, sorry, I got myself into this conversation with this person. How do I get out? I want to exit as quick as possible. All right. So here's the here's kind of the back it up a little bit. And so when I teach creating curiosity, I often say it's the difference between how you call a dog versus how you call a cat which I know sounds a little crazy. So stick with me here for just a second. But when you want to get a dog's attention, a lot of times you'll do this thing where you'll say, come here, boy, come here. And you change your voice. You get really excited. And unfortunately, when you show up in sales conversations and you have what I call dog calling energy, it often comes off as word vomiting because you're so excited to tell this person about all the things that you can do for them and how you're going to help them and how great you are and all of the all the things about your background. And people are like, I didn't even ask. Right. So it's too much. So when you show up with this dog calling energy, people will tend to push away. They'll like, oh, I, how do I get out of this conversation? So the opposite here is when you think about when you call a cat. So this creating curiosity. When you want to call a cat, you usually will change your voice. You'll change your demeanor and you'll do this thing where you go, here kitty kitty, here kitty kitty. And cats don't even always come to that. People won't either. You have to, you have to intrigue them. You have to like pique that curiosity for them. Cats usually when you do that will give you a little look. You like sometimes they'll come, depends on your level of relationship with them. But a lot of times they'll just give you a look like, what, what are you, why are you, why are you calling me? Should I get up? Should I move? Should I not? Yeah. My, my, my cat balance. looks at me like he wants to claw my eyes out when I try that. So yeah, I get that. And I've, you know, in, in social situations, I've seen the same look. So I, yeah. I'm eager to learn more. Okay. about. So tell me about the, the cat. Okay. So what you want to do is learn how to have what I call here, kitty, kitty statements. And oftentimes these statements are usually one to three sentences. So it's not word vomiting. It's not telling these people all the things about you or all the things about your company. Again, that's dog calling energy. Instead, you give enough information for the other person to ask you a question. Because when they start asking a question, then you can answer. And now we're having real back and forth conversation. So for instance, just to start to build your curiosity creating muscle, because it does take a little practice, is think about the way you would ask a question. Like if you were at a networking event or if you were at a party or, you know, again, you can do this on email as well. But uh, if somebody said to you like, hey, Todd, what's what's new with you? You might say, 
oh, not a lot, or, oh, we just came back from a family vacation, that will maybe spur some questions. But if you really want to talk about your business, then you need to have an answer that piques somebody's curiosity. So don't just say like, oh, business is good and, you know, nothing new, because what are they supposed to ask to that, right? So if somebody says like, hey, what's new with you? Have a real answer, something you want to talk about. For instance, right now, what you could say is, oh, the podcast is growing and it's going really well. Now, if you said that to me, I would be like, well, what's your podcast? What, what are you doing? And like, what do you mean it's growing? Or who's your audience? Now we're having a real conversation, right? So think about what can you say that gives somebody enough information that they would ask a follow-up question. Now, it won't work every time because they might not be interested in podcasting, but they might be interested in something else that you're doing. I know you and I were chatting before we started and you were talking about that you're creating this opportunity for people to, you're, you're the expert that's creating experts or you're helping them really stand out in their field and be experts, right? So if somebody said like, hey, what's going on in your business right now? Or what have you been up to lately? And you said something like, oh my gosh, we just helped a client do X, Y, and Z. And then you kind of leave it there. Somebody's going to go, well, how did you do that? Or what does that mean? Or what kind of clients hire you? Now you've got some permission to actually talk a little bit more about your business. So, so let's let's drill down on that a little okay. bit because if if a person leaves, I think when they when they come with those default answers, oh, I'm fine, you know, sky is sky is blue, it's great weather out there. Those are yeah. default answers because you don't yeah. you're not prepared. So yeah. how do you how do you help the person? Because clearly, if you get prepare this ahead of time. Yes. Um, so then it becomes, that becomes the new default answer. How do you equip people to, um, to, to build, the, how do you help them build out those, those, uh, those curiosity statements? So I do work with clients where we actually will craft their curiosity creating statements or somebody, you know, will hire me and go through a training. Like I actually have a full training on this. But one of the things I would say is come up with like on a Monday, what would be your answer if somebody asked you one of these three questions? How are you? Because you're going to get asked that question this week, almost guaranteed. If you have any conversations with anybody, you're going to get asked, how are you? So what's your answer that might create some curiosity? What's new with you? It's another really common thing. Or like, how's business, right? If you find yourself in networking sessions or meetings. So if you can come up with it, and it can kind of be the same answer to all three questions, you just might tailor it, like structure it a little bit so it feels like a really authentic answer. And then you get curious yourself and you test it and you see how people respond to it. Now, if you give your curiosity creating your here kitty kitty response to somebody and they get a blank look on their face, it didn't land. If you give it to a couple people and nobody asks you a follow-up question, abort, come up with a new answer. If you, if you give the answer and somebody goes, tell me more about that, or, well, what does that mean? Or, gosh, I wonder if I need to be doing video in my business to, to show my expertise. Well, that's then kind of going to move us to the next step, which is a potential buying signal. So we're going to act on that. You know, before we get into the buying signal, that, that, that's a shift. I mean, that, that's a paradigm shift to get to that place where your your intention is to create curiosity. Mm -hmm. I think our default intention is is to tell them about us 
So I think that's the first step is that shift into the outcome I'm looking for is curiosity. Yes, because when you're in that step of the sales conversation, that's your only job is to create curiosity. It isn't to sell somebody. It's not to close the business. This is why I teach this the sales conversation as a staircase because you go one step at a time. Most people don't stand at the bottom of a staircase and go, well, I'm just going to hop up to the top, right? Like that's a little unrealistic, especially those of us who don't have a really strong core, you know, but (laughs) that's not typically how you go up a staircase. You go one step at a time. So when you're in that part of the conversation, that's your, that's the outcome. That's the goal. Are you talking to a prospective client or not? And the only way you're going to really be able to identify that quickly is not by like word vomiting and trying to sell them. It's by creating some curiosity and see if you can pique their interest. Then when that happens, then you move to the next step in the sales conversation. But doing it before is kind of like asking people to stand at the bottom of a staircase and hop up to the top. And a prospective client who doesn't trust you, doesn't know you, is going to look at you like, hey, buddy, you're crazy. No way. Have you, so I've got a teenager, Nikki, and uh, he plays a lot of video games. And I learned this new phrase from him uh, when when they play Call of Duty. And it's the people who try too hard. They call them sweaty (laughs) tryhards. But a great term. You do not want to be that in a sales conversation. Sweaty try hard. And that even goes into I've heard people talk about uh, uh, what desperation, uh, they give off desperation in their sales conversation. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's another phrase for it uh, where they just, you know, they're they're, they're too hungry to close. Yeah, or thirsty, right? Like now that's another thing is like, oh, you're, you're being so thirsty. And that is a negative, right? Like you don't want people thinking you're thirsty. And frankly, you shouldn't be because when when you show up from that place of desperation, people get a sense of it and and they will push away. And not even so much that because you're desperate, but it feels inauthentic. It's not genuine. So it's like this person's trying to do something to me. I don't want to be done to. So I'm going to pull away. But if you show up from this place of like, I'm just seeing if this piques curiosity for you. And if it doesn't, I just move on in the conversation with them or might move on to talk to somebody else if they're not really interested. And that's okay. I don't, I'm not taking it like my job isn't to close everybody in the room. And this is one of the downfalls I think in sales is that there's this misconception out there that your job is to convince people to hire you. Yeah. That is not your job in sales. Your job is to pique curiosity, identify if you're talking to an ideal client, and then when you have permission, put an offer in front of them that's going to meet or solve some problem or need that they have. That's what sales truly is. And if you treat it like it's anything else, that's where people go, I don't want to be sold to. Yeah. So so it's really searching for the connection first. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, because do you want to work with everybody? You don't want to work with every everybody either. You don't fit. I don't have a need the, to work with everybody, right? Yeah. Like there's lots of things that people sell that are cool and interesting that I might be interested to know more about, but I'm not their ideal client. Mm-hmm. So they shouldn't really be spending a lot of time and energy trying to convince me that I have a problem or a need that I just do not have. Just waste energy. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge time suck. And the thing about all of us is, you know, most of us feel really short for time. Mm-hmm. It's not something you can make more of. So be efficient with what you're doing 
Learn how to create curiosity so you can identify, am I talking to an ideal client or a prospective client? And if not, I always say, like, bless and release the person. Let yeah. them go on their way. You please go on your way because there are plenty of people out there that are waiting and are willing to hire you, pay you your fee, and be so happy that you provide your service or your product. And your job is to find those people. Yeah, I think of what is it? Is it the Sanford system, uh, selling system? They say to try to get to the no as quick as possible mm, I, early on. I had that yeah. that kind of has a degree of that. You're you're yeah. you're filtering to uh but but it's in an indirect way you're seeing hey are they going to draw in i guess yeah. i guess even if it's like it's like hitch right you know when the the uh his on how to get a kiss you just go just a little bit you just i i love that analogy i love that is the perfect analogy so if you haven't seen that movie the idea is not for you to go all the way in and like smash your face into somebody it's like you go in about, you know, 40, 50, 60%. Do they come and meet you the other way? If people aren't coming, if you're, if you're not able to attract people to you and what you're doing then is you start to go into this mode of like chase. And if you're chasing clients, I would say ch start chasing clients and they turn into toddlers. Like, I don't know, you, you have a teenage son, but at some point, yeah. you know, he's a little guy and you said, you might said to him like, oh. I'm going to chase you. He doesn't even have to know what the game is. And he is off and running. And he's like, he'll just keep running until you stop chasing. Right. Nikki, that explains a lot about my dating game as a teenager. I did a lot of chasing. Did yeah. not a lot of catching. That's so the thing is when you say I'm going to chase you, people run. Yeah. And when exactly. you act like you're just going to chase clients, they will run. Now, what happens with a toddler when you stop and you stand still? they start to inch their way back to you, right? Or they go find something else to do. Like yeah. the game's over, they're, they're moving on. So you cannot chase clients. If you're chasing people all the time, they're going to run away from you. That's when you go like, everybody ghosts me. Like nobody returns my calls. You're chasing. You're being thirsty. Knock it off. You don't need to act like that. Sales is, again, it's a with conversation. Um, I, I truly think that sales is something you do with people. It's a collaboration. That means there has to be a balance of power in the conversation. If you're trying to hold all the power, your prospective client will go somewhere else because it won't feel good. Yeah. If you let them have all the power, no offense, but people kind of have this, it triggers something in us, which is not our best quality, but we'll take advantage. And then, so you cannot let your client or prospective have all the power. When you're chasing, you're putting them in this position of power and they will not treat you with the same level of respect. So then how do you, how do you control that lever? What, what advice do you give on that? So for me, I'm constantly checking to see, am I talking to a prospective client and do I have their permission to offer them something? And if I don't have their permission, I don't offer. So I don't do a lot of like, I I'm not doing the shotgun approach to sales. I am not out there trying to get a thousand no's so that I can get one. Yes. I'm actually building relationships with people who are interested in building relationships with me. And when I get a sense that they've given me a buying signal, I've been able to create curiosity. They've then given me a buying signal. I then invite them to do business with me. And I have a very high close rate as a result of it because I'm not just asking anybody and everybody to be my client. It really comes down to, are you interested? Do you have a need? And do I have your permission to put an offer in front of you. And until I have a permission to put, put an offer in front of you, 
you know, I'm not going to. I'm not the person who walks into the room, hears somebody do a bad sales pitch and goes over to them and like, here's my card. You should totally hire me because you suck at sales. I mean, like I would never be that literally person. ask them, do I have permission? Do, would you mind if I give you, if I made an offer or, or so I'm, services or how, yes. do you, how do you control that gate? Yeah. So permission can be asked in a couple different ways. So permission, if I'm having a conversation with somebody and they, I think they might benefit, I would ask them, would you be open to having a conversation about ways that we might work together? And if they say yes, then I've got their permission. Or I would say, would you be interested in scheduling a time to chat about that? Or I would say, if I'm on a discovery call with somebody and I get a sense that I can absolutely help this person, I don't go right into a sales pitch. I say to them, you know, based on what you shared, I have an idea of a way that we could work together. Are you interested to hear more about that? All of those things are permission questions. And when I get permission, people are prepared. They're like ready to hear what it is. And so they're more open to receiving versus if you just go like, oh my gosh, based on what you said, you should totally, you should totally sign up for this program. You should totally be in this, you know, this coaching program that I have. It's perfect fit for you. But if I say instead, you know, I have a sense of a way of an offer that might be a really good fit for you. Would you be interested in hearing about it? And the two, the two approaches, they feel completely different. They I mean, are. even when you just yeah. said that, uh, I mean, I don't know if I just felt kind of hypnotized, but I was like, yes, wait, she didn't actually make an offer, but I felt, <laughs> I felt that, uh, yeah, my, I felt disarmed and just the, the permission the opportunity, it was like an mm -hmm. opportunity to, I can either walk in. So it, it, I felt in control and, and you are, that's the thing. Like you're the, you're the client. You should feel in control. My job as the salesperson, I think about this a lot is to guide. So I'm not telling you, Hey, Todd, go up to that step over there and I'll meet you there. I say, would you be interested in taking this step with me? And then when you say yes, you step. I don't even have to tell you, lift your leg and like put it there. You just move. You, you know, move that, because you've said yes to moving. That is interesting. So it's a, the difference, even going back to our, the beginning of our conversation of viewing myself as giving a keynote, I'm on stage delivering a message versus a guide. I like that. I think mean, that goes into story brand yes. and the, the role of being the guide. And, yep. and it just, it just, it's, it changes the positioning. I, I really like the visual picture of that. I mean, I, that, that even reprograms how you, how you would respond and, and, and kind of go back and forth. I mean, I really like that picture. Yeah. And, and so again, I'm not in this place. I'll never, you won't ever find me in a place where I'm trying to convince you of what a great sales coach I am or how, how, you know, how I've done this and I've done that. And therefore, you know, you should respect me. Like I will never put myself in that position because that creates an imbalance of power that somehow says to you, you have all the power now to decide whether or not I have value. I already know I have value. I already know that what I bring to the table. So I don't have to convince you that I'm going to be really good. What I do need to understand is, do you have a need for a sales coach? And are you interested in finding out ways for us to work together and how I could support you. And if you say yes to that, then I'm going to put an offer in front of you. And if you say, no, not really, then I'm not going to sell you. I'm going to bless and release and say, well, it was really nice to have a conversation with you. And I wish you continued success in all that you do. And I'm out. 
I'm moving on. Nice. Okay, Nikki. So in, in the time that we have left, so we've built curiosity. We've changed our juxtaposition from, from keynote to, to guide. From So mechanically, you've got some great tips on how to move that person from curiosity to interest now to how do I get them on the calendar? How do I do that? So one of the one of the ways that I do that is I would say to somebody, you know, is is this something you'd be interested in chatting more about? And they go, yeah. Then I say, great, let's get a time on our calendars now. And I say, do you have access to your calendar? And I wait. And then I say, I usually pull my phone out and I go, I carry my calendar right here on my phone. And then I like pull up the calendar app on my phone and I just wait. And I wait for them to get their calendar. And then we book a time on our calendars right then and there. So I don't say like, hey, here's my business card. Give me a call. No, that's saying to somebody, hey, you're, I'm more important than you are. Put, put me on your to-do list. Yeah. And, you know, people that, die that even goes, it. that even goes to just sending, here's my link. Because you have yeah. some, I love your technique on email. Yeah. Tell me about your email technique because the, I think there's arrogance about here's my link because you're right. It, it makes me the important person. You come to me and uh, that didn't work for dating. That won't work for sales. So okay. what is your email technique? So my email technique is when I am inviting somebody to get on call with me, and this is a prospective client, somebody who I would like to earn their business. I say, here are a few possible times. Please pick the time that works best for you. And then I give three ranges of time. Now, if those, and then I say, if, if those times are, if none of those times are a good fit for you, here is a link. I don't say my link. I say, here is a link to find a time that works better for you. Cause I always make it about them. It's not about me. It's about them. It's about their convenience by giving this three times, these three ranges of time, which most people won't do by the way. It's, it's one of the techniques I get a ton of pushback from clients on there. Like, no, it's, it takes too much work to send people three times. Well, do you want to earn their business or not? Because I get people on calls with me all the time using it. And when they get on a call with me, I have a really good close rate. So make it so easy for people to get on a call because when you say to them, hey, let me know when you're available, the answer is never. I'm never just available. I live and breathe my calendar. Most business professionals do. And so therefore, if you're saying to them, let me know when you're available, you're saying to them, I'm more important than you, you do the work, and then I'll see if it fits in my schedule. No, I give three ranges of time. And so when I say ranges of time, I will say, hey, this Friday, anytime between 9.30 and 11 a.m., you know, whatever. And then I'll give it another range of time. And, I'll, and this is crucial, anytime between so I'm not asking them for an hour and a half appointment. I'm just giving them a range of time. And I'll usually say like, let's, let's jump on a, you know, 20 minute call. Please pick a time that works best for you anytime between these times. Cause then they can just look at their calendar and go, oh, I actually do have an open spot. So I'll pick this time. But if you ask them to just go to your calendar link, you're essentially sending the message that you think your time is more valuable than theirs. And usually you have some kind of a form they have to fill out and all that garbage that will probably keep them from actually getting on your calendar. When somebody wants to meet with me and they send me a calendar link, I delete it. 
if they're not willing to give me the times, if they're wanting my time and they want my business, they better actually make it super easy to get on a phone call with me or they're not going to get my time. I love that. I mean, because you're right, it it is kind of arrogant. So it is. Okay. So if it's email, it's three ranges of time. Yeah. And then you still do a link, not my link. That's right. Um, and but then in person, are you are you throwing out times as well? It, say, what in about person, I, I do this thing where I say, Do you have your calendar available? Let's book mm-hmm. it right now. I don't say I'll send you some times later. It's like, no, let's do it in the moment. Cause in the moment is actually the easiest time for people to do things. Yeah. Because when they get back to their desk or they get back to their office or whatever, wherever they're going next, they're going to be bombarded with a bunch of other things to do. So are they going to respond to your, you know, calendar invite or are they going to respond to, you know, approving a time with you? It's slim to none chance, (laughs) you know, that you're going to make it to the top of their to-do list. I don't know if you've heard this stat. I might have shared this with you in in June when I was speaking. of on average, how many decisions a day an adult makes? Have you heard this stat? Did we talk about this? No, yeah. I, I, so tell tell me because I know it's good, probably just going to blow my mind. Well, again. I want you to guess first of all. So think about your day. How many decisions do you think you made like today? Oh man, I mean, I've, it's amplified for me because I got the different voices in my head. Yeah. So uh, different right. personalities. So right. I mean, it's it kind of ex- exponential. But I mean, it's it's thousands and thousands. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. They say the average adult makes up to 30,000 decisions a day. Wow. That's a lot of decisions. So if you're, if you're saying to somebody, don't decide now, decide later to get on a call with me. Yeah. You're, you just now put yourself behind 30,000 decisions. <laughs> what are the chances you're going to get to the top? It's so slim. But if you do it in the moment, in the heat of the moment where the person could just say yes, to the time on their calendar right then, you're probably going to book that appointment. Because they also and, have to re-remember why they wanted to to meet with you and yeah. reprioritize. They got to get find a new motivation, don't That's they? Right. Like, who was this person? What did we talk about? I kind of remember the conversation because they got bombarded. Like, as soon as you walk out of a, a party or you walk out of a networking event, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but the first thing I do is check my phone. And I typically have, you know, probably 15 to 35 emails, you know, if I'm I'm out for an hour. And I probably have, on average, anywhere from 6 to 15 client Voxer messages. Wow. So what are the chances that after I listen to those, drive back to wherever I'm going, get to my office and now I've got more emails piling up and I've got appointments that I have to do, you know, client sessions. What are the chances I'm even going to remember yeah. the conversation it's in such tyranny detail? Of the urgent. Yeah. yeah. Tyranny, the, tyranny of the urgent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just, oh, I love that. I love what you just said. Tyranny of the urgent. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's always screaming at you. All, yeah. There's always something screaming at you. It's true. It's true. We're bombarded. We have so much information coming at us all the time. Your job, if you really, really want to earn more business, is to make it easy, as easy as possible for the other person. Get all those roadblocks, all those things that can slow people down, get them out of their way so that they can like get to the place where you will be able to exchange dollars for services or products. But you got to remove the, the roadblocks. Again, this is 
this is why I say your job is to be the guide. And the guide keeps you from like falling into the ditch or, you know, falling off the cliff or it's like, this is the direction that we're moving. And I'm not, I'm not dragging you. I'm guiding. (laughs) That's right. Because yeah, I love that because the guide is never overly dominant. Uh, he's never barking at you a whole lot. Um, he's just throwing out facts. You know, just let's think of a tour guide guide, you know, just walking along, making observations. And um, and it's always in, in short little spurts, which is the that curio- those curiosity statements. Mm-hmm. And the guide is the expert, right? Like nobody rare. I mean, we rarely doubt that the guide is qualified to do the job. Right. The guide, of course, they're qualified for to do the job. You're not going to hire somebody to take you up, you know, Mount Everest or wherever you're going or even on a tour guide. If you're like, this person doesn't know what they're doing. That's the worst ever. Right. So you you need to stand in your place of expertise and authority and be a real guide and just make it so easy. You know, it's okay to say, hey, watch out for this right here. Here's where we're going next. Are you ready to go? Yes, great. Let's move. Let's let's drill down on that a little bit more because I mean the whole purpose of this is experts at making experts. We in this crowded this crowded marketplace, we have to be able to stand out as experts. So in in the sales maven's viewpoint, mm-hmm. the expert viewpoint, how does an expert? How do you stand out as an expert? The number one way to do this, and this this is, again, something rarely people think about doing, is you frame the right question. As an expert, if you can ask somebody a question that they go, nobody's ever asked me that. I hadn't really even thought about that. Now they're looking at you going, there must be a reason Nikki's asking this question. So just like one of the questions that I ask in a discovery call is, do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about your business? Notice I'm not saying I teach people how to create curiosity when they're talking about their business. I say, do you know how to create curiosity when you're talking about your business? And people go, what now? Is that something you do? Absolutely. That already sets me apart based on the way the questions that I ask is is such a great way to frame your expertise because it's not like, look at me, I'm a really big deal. I'm the best at this and I'm I'm so good at this and I'm trying to convince you of that. And now I'm word vomiting all over you. I can ask really smart questions that let somebody know, ooh, she knows some things I need to know. I absolutely love that, Nikki. Mm-hmm. I mean, just uh I mean it just it it changes. It's just coming coming at it from a completely different angle, restructuring from everything from a statement to a question, the uh, you you and I both probably remember Columbo, but yes. I I have that on my my daily playlist is be Columbo, be yes curious, be curious, and yes. I just and so even so, I guess the, the practice could be: What do you want to say about your business? Now, how do you turn that into a question? You got it. You nailed it. That's it. Yes, I did it. I just did asked. It. We did. That that will change the way that you engage and it will change the way people engage with you. Because when somebody asks you a question that makes you go, what? Gosh, I hadn't really thought about it like that. Now you're you're looking at this person. I mean, really think about when that happens to you. 
you look at the person who asked you that question and you don't go, what an idiot. They're asking me questions. You go, what a freaking smart person that is. Wow. Their question changed the way I think. So questions are super powerful. And I, unfortunately, people think, well, if you're asking questions, that means you don't know anything. No, it doesn't. As a matter of fact, the person who asks the questions in a conversation holds the most power, the most influence. That is powerful, Nikki. That absolutely is. Because we think our instincts thinks the opposite. Yeah. He who controls the mic, but you control the mic by asking questions. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard some interviews where somebody will sit down with like their all-time mentor, like somebody or their, uh, their idol, like somebody they've idolized. And the best conversation, like the ones that usually blow people away is they go, here's this person that I am admiring that I have been following for all these years, or they've changed my life because I read their book or whatever. And they sit and they're interested and they ask you questions about you. People are like, I'm a fan for life because very few people ask questions. We talk at people instead of with them. And it feels incredible for people to ask us really important, pointed questions. Now, again, you should have permission before you launch into your questions, not questions that make people feel vulnerable or uncomfortable or shamed, but questions that make people go, dang. Yeah. Nobody's ever asked me that or gosh, I've never really thought about that in that way. Because you know what has the most influence in sales is the buyer. And so when the buyer goes, I, I have to have this. I have to work with you. They will always have more influence than you will have. There's nothing you can say that will be more influential than their brain going, Todd, Todd blew me away. He asked me such smart questions. I need more Todd in my life. You know, I've heard that before. But anyway, that's all that I'm just kidding. It was my wife, though. She's the only one that says that. I um, doubt it. Uh, man, it's Nikki, thank you so much for this time. I've absolutely loved it. You've added so much value to our community uh, with this. I would love to have you on again in the future. Um, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I cannot wait to, to uh, hear you on your next stage. If I run into that, I cannot wait because you just add so much value to every conversation. So thank you, Nikki, very much. Thanks for having me. Is it okay if I offer a, a gift to your audience? 100%. Okay. So I know I've, I've kind of teased this out a little bit that I talk about these five steps to the sales conversation. So I have a mini training for your audience. If they're interested, they can go get it. This is my gift. So it's absolutely complimentary. You can get it by going to yoursalesmaven.com forward slash blue collar. So this is specifically for your, your audience. And it's called Mastering the Sales Conversation. And I'll break down all of the five steps. I'll go in a little bit more detail on creating curiosity and then the other four steps that we didn't really like dig too far into. So oh thank you so much, Nikki. So it's tell 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 me the URL again. Yoursalesmaven.com forward slash blue collar. Beautiful. Thank you very much. We will definitely put that out there. And and uh, anyone who sits and hears the staircase and just uh, walks through some of these steps of, you know, this I think it's a great path to becoming an expert. So again, thank you. Thank you so, so very much. Thanks for having me.